You are listening to a message from Parkway Pentecostal Church in Kurana. Today's message is brought to you by our lead pastor, Jay Black. We hope this message blesses and encourages you this morning. If you'd like more information on Parkway Church, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com, where you can listen to the full version of our messages. I'll be honest with you. Uh, up until about five days ago, I always thought that round yon version in Silent Night was referring to how big Mary was when she was pregnant. You know, round yon virgin. And, uh, and yet it went on, I, I noticed today that it said mother and child. Like, I'm 47 years old and it, there's two, there's, I shouldn't even share this. There's two Christmas songs I didn't understand until the last year. One was I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. I always thought that was a horrible song. I'm like, Santa Claus is like smooching with someone else's wife. And I never listened to it. And then it came on the radio last year and I went, it's the dad. Ah, that's why he's not there. And now I just love that song. What a wonderful song. I honestly didn't know. I, I really love John Mellencamp's version of it, you know? And it would come on and I'd feel guilty for listening to it because I'm like, I like this, but what a horrible, horrible song. The Santa Claus that I grew up with would not be doing this. And then, like I said, then it, then it all made sense to me. <laughs> and... and Round yon virgin. Do you know what it actually means? I actually had to look it up. In the context of the language, it was written in German for guitar because the night that the Christmas service was supposed to happen, uh, the organ didn't work. So they actually wrote Silent Night in German for guitar. That's why it's the only carol keyed in G. All the other ones are keyed in that you can't sing them, but that one is. And, uh, and, and it actually means that all is calm and all is bright around the mother and her child. So now I get it. What a wonderful line. The spirit of revelation. God really, really wants me to get these Christmas songs straightened out. Uh, listen, there, there's a couple of things. Well, there's not a couple of things. There's a lot of things that have been under attack in the faith that we have stood on for 2,000 years. And one of them is the virgin birth. And people have asked, does it really matter? Does it matter if Mary was a virgin when she conceived? And does it really matter if she was a virgin when she gave birth? If you believe the Bible, it matters. Because in Matthew it says, by the way, and I'm not trying to shock anyone here who comes from a Catholic faith background, but Mary didn't remain perpetually a virgin. Because that's tradition, but that's not Bible. Because the Bible says in Matthew, and they abstained from, basically, to put it, they abstained from sexual intercourse until after the child was born. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. And d- does it matter if you believe in the virgin birth? We don't have time this morning to go into the, the whole fact that Jesus became the second Adam. Uh, when, when Adam and Eve gave away ownership of this earth to Satan uh, when they chose uh, evil over righteousness that it was only through uh, humanity could that be regained, the authority regained. And so God's conundrum, if you, if you can use that, not that God's ever confused, but to use human terms, God was faced with uh, people cannot save themselves, but only a person can stand up on behalf of humanity and take back what was lost. 
And how many of you know that an impossibility with us is just simply something for God to do, right? And the virgin birth says in John 1.14 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It goes on to say in John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word, who is Je- we know is Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And again, verse 14, the word, the eternal son of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus had a start in time. The Son of God was eternal. Where some Christian-based religions and cults get it wrong is they believe that Jesus was the first of creation. But when you read John verse 1, it doesn't say that the Word came into being, but it says the Word, who is eternal, became flesh and blood. You have the incarnation of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit meeting with the egg and womb of Mary, the word became Jesus and entered into human existence, time and space. And it seems incredulous. It it seems unbelievable. And even Mary thought so. Because when the angel announced to her that she would have a child, uh, it's kind of like we saw in the video. She said, how can this be? I'm just a teenager. I'm not married. I've never, never slept with a man. And she said, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. The virgin birth. It actually opens up the New Testament. After Malachi, the last uh, Old Testament book had been written, uh, writing down the words of the prophet Malachi, there was a 400-year gap where God is literally silent, except for speaking regionally through prophets. Uh, He didn't speak nationally. There was no new scripture written until the virgin conception, until the birth of Jesus. And the New Testament opens up blatantly supernatural. It opens up with an unheard of impossibility becoming the miracle of Christ. If we find the virgin birth offensive or too hard to believe or too mythical, then you know what? Don't read any farther. Because the whole life of Jesus is set, the tone is set for the remainder of Scripture on the virgin conception and the virgin birth. And I believe personally that it is supernatural, not mythical. Uh, I, I believe that Christmas has become cluttered with magical myth. We even call it a magical time of the year. If you turn on, as my mother-in-law and my wife have done frequently, W Network, and watch one of the hundred and 50,000 really brutal made-for-TV movies, you'll discover, while they're on W, they have two things in common, romance and magical things just happen because it's Christmas time. And that's all good and well. It's all, it's, it's good for, for watching and getting the warm fuzzies. But here's the problem. With stories of red-nosed reindeer, Santa Claus, magical snowmen come to life. A boy left home alone for the holidays. You know I was going to slip that in. The manger, the manger narrative can almost seem like another mythical story. In fact, we kind of put two together, didn't we? You can imagine my shock when I was about six or seven years old. My parents told me after reading the Christmas story that the drummer boy really wasn't part of the narrative, but someone added it into it. We've mixed myth with what I believe is a true historical event that can only be explained by faith and confidence in a supernatural God. And I believe the Bible is explicit. In order to understand the life and ministry of Jesus, you have to believe in the virgin birth. It's a unique glory that belongs only to Jesus. Billions of people have been born, but only one has come onto this planet, come into this planet the way that Jesus did. He is utterly unique. 
and yet completely identifies with you and me because he became literal and actual flesh and blood and lived among us, with us, as one of us. The word, the eternal one becoming flesh, is blatantly supernatural. It defies our reasoning, therefore it demands faith. And I think in order to put faith in Jesus' teaching, in Jesus' life, in order to put confidence in the eternal uh, uh, forgiveness that we have found through his death on the cross, and in order for me to have confident faith that there is a life waiting for me beyond this life because of the resurrection of Jesus, I have to first put my confidence and faith in the fact that he was conceived and born of a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, people have said to me, what does it really mean when it says the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you? How did it happen? Here's my theological answer. I don't know. I don't know how the Holy Spirit accomplished it. All I know is he did. He's the creative power and energy of God. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Heavenly originated but earthly birth. That's Jesus. Both ends of Jesus' life are supernaturally highlighted. On the one end we have the virgin conception, the virgin birth. And on the other end we have him rising from the dead. Three days later, victorious over sin and death and hell. Amen. The virgin birth is necessary. It shows us humanity's need for Jesus. It shows that redemption can't come on our own, and yet, because we failed to be who God created us to be, it can only be regained through a representative of mankind. The human race, despite billions of us being born and possibly millions of us striving, trying to, to, to live in a way that is good and gracious and free of evil and free of sin and free of offense against other people, we've all failed to do it because the Bible says that even the good things we do fall short of what God intends and who God intended us to be. And so, so a representative had to live before God free from the, the uh, accusation of the enemy. See, people don't realize and understand that between Jesus' birth and, and his public ministry, there was 30 years of just living. And he had to live. He couldn't just bypass that and somehow speed up the process and become an adult. He had to live as you and I lived, not only so he could become uh, the high priest, the great and benevolent God that we can come to, but listen, he had to live. Do you know why? He had to prove himself for 30 years that he could live free from sin, free from the devil having any accusation against him, and free from any kind of temptation. Why? Because only, only in doing so could Jesus stand before the Father and say, as a representative of humanity, I have lived free from the legal rights that Satan has on this planet and on people, and Jesus did it by a sinless life. So he was God, and he was man. Not part man, not part God, but fully God and fully human. Entering into the human race, uh, fully human, but divinely conceived with no sin nature, but tempted in every way as we were. I Again, there, there's debate. If Jesus, if, if Jesus didn't sin, then how could he really know what temptation is? How many of you know that the quicker you give in to temptation, the less you actually know of the temptation process? Jesus coming out of a fast for 40 days in the wilderness at the start of his ministry. 40 days not eating. Folks, all it takes is me missing one meal and the devil can beat me in that. Go to your fridge, get food out, and break your fast. He's got me. It takes about an hour. Come on. Do you know what I'm talking about? Jesus, after 40 days of not eating, goes in. Remember, he's fully God. 
and fully human. We know that everything Jesus did, he did as a man in submission to the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't heal one person as God. He healed everybody as a man submitted to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he laid aside the use of his deity in all things. So can you imagine you are weak with hunger. You've been battling Satan. The Bible says he was tempted for 40 days, but we get the last part of his... So after 40 days of battling Satan, 40 days of not eating, he is weak and he's hungry and his humanity is crying out for sustenance. Like after 40 days, your body starts to shut down. Organs start to shut down. And the devil comes and says, Hey, if you're the son of God... Use your prerogative and turn these stones into bread. Can you imagine the, the onslaught of temptation Jesus would have had just to go, yeah, I was faithful for the 40 days. My father understands, poof, I've got to eat. But he didn't. What did he do? He had to stumble out of the wilderness and he had to go find food, whether he had to buy it or go to some home and beg for it. But he allowed himself to be tempted without falling beyond a measure of what you and I could possibly ever understand. In the garden, he was tempted so thoroughly that he sweat. his sweat was blood because of the pressure that he was under. Fully human, friends. Fully human. Ordinary from the womb of his mother, sharing in Mary's DNA, but conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word entering Mary's womb. Is it important to believe in the virgin birth? Yes, because of everything that I've told you. But Pastor Mark Driscoll said this. Yes, it's true of the utmost importance. If the virgin conception and birth of Jesus is untrue, then the story of Jesus changes greatly. We have a sexually promiscuous young lady lying about God's miraculous hand in the birth of her son, raising that son to declare he was God, then joining his religion. If Mary is nothing more than a sinful con artist, and a liar, then neither she nor her son Jesus should be trusted. Because both the clear teaching of Scripture and the beginning of Jesus' earthly life and character of his mother are at stake, we must contend for the virgin birth of Jesus. And I really believe, again, uh, I've already gone into more theology than I intended, but I really and truly believe that Christmas becomes an opportunity for us to celebrate not only the birth of Jesus, but because of, of the uniqueness of who he was and how he came to this planet, we have the unique opportunity to celebrate Jesus himself. And we did that this morning, didn't we? No other name. Jesus. That's why he's worthy. That's why he's worthy. Don't you kind of get, like, don't you sometimes have it up to here? With people that make $20, a movie, $20 million a movie or they make you know, $4 million a year bouncing or hitting a puck or bouncing a ball or doing whatever they do and then they've got to have awards nights to pat themselves on the back and say, didn't we do good? <laughs> really? You know what? It's not that, I, I do think there's a problem. I, I do think there's a problem in humanity and that's we don't honor each other enough. Give honor where honor's due. But the accolades that we give people, listen, none of us are deserving of it. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. And that's why this morning I just resisted the, the temptation that I often have to rush out of worship. Because Jesus Christ is worthy because he's so unique. He's so in, amazing. Fully God. Fully human. Wrapped up in one person. 
And so Christmas becomes an opportunity for our faith to be encouraged. If I believe God can bring about the miracle of Jesus' conception and birth, then I can believe God for anything. If he can solve the problem of death, hell, brokenness, and estrangement from the Father by the miracle of the Word becoming flesh, living, dying, and rising again, then he certainly isn't stumped by what I'm facing. Jesus came for you. He came supernaturally and then lived a very ordinary life. Then he did some extraordinary ministry, and then he gave his life for you and for me. So Christmas is about a God who loved you and loved me too much to allow us to get what we deserved and what we earned and what we brought upon ourselves. And so the word became flesh and lived among us. And John goes on to say, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, filled with grace and filled with truth. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I just want to tell you something. He came for you. God gave Jesus against all reason and logic to be your Savior, to be my Savior. And in the New Testament scriptures, when it talks about Jesus saving people, it means he saves us spiritually from the laws of sin and death. He saves us from the guilt and condemnation that is on our lives. He saves us from our conscience that knows that, that we've fallen short of his glory and majesty. He saves us from our sicknesses. He saves us from our hopelessness. He saves us from ourselves and brings us into a wonderful relationship with God the Father. And it all started when the word became flesh and lived among us. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and as your, as your Lord, I'm just going to say a prayer and I'm going to encourage you to uh, uh, talk to whoever it was that came with you or find me after the service and talk to me. But I want you to know this morning, if you say this prayer with me, it's, it's not that the prayer uh, makes it all right, but it's simply just being able to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I know that you came for me because I couldn't redeem myself. I give my life to you. That prayer kind of gives you the key and entrance into a whole brand new life that Jesus Christ has ordained for you. A life where we read his word every day. We pray every day. We grow in our relationship with him. And, and he brings us into this wonderful connection with God the Father. And it's a daily thing, but this prayer is the key that brings us in because prayer is what connects us to God all the time. Amen. And so if you say that prayer with me in just a minute, we're going to offer you this book. It's called The New Believer's Handbook. Even if you don't say the prayer, and even if you're only mildly curious and still you're more cynical, we still want to give you this book. And no pressure. We won't take your name. We just, we're not going to put you on our mailing list. Just You can get it from one of the ushers at the back. They'll be standing there with it. It just explains in, in a little more detail what we've talked about this morning, and there's no strings attached, but I just, I would not be true to myself if I didn't give everybody the opportunity this morning just to say, Jesus, thank you for coming. I know you came for me, and I want to have peace with God. So can we stand? And on your, <clears throat> when I'm done the prayer, we got a couple more announcements, then we'll release you. So why don't you repeat after me? Thank you, Jesus, that you stepped out of the courts of heaven and you entered into this world through the womb of Mary. I believe in you, Jesus. I don't understand it all yet, but my heart is telling me that I need you. So I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. 
I ask that you would bring me into a brand new relationship with God through you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. The innocent for the guilty. The perfect for the imperfect. And so take all my imperfections and nail them to that cross. And then take your perfection, your right standing before God, and apply it to my life. So come into my life, Jesus. I make you my Lord and my Savior and my friend. Help me to grow in an understanding of what it means to follow you each and every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer this morning like I did when I was 15 years old, I prayed a prayer similar to that. The Bible says that Jesus came and took up residence in your life through the Holy Spirit. And you literally have been changed, recreated, made brand new this morning. And any accusation that you've had or anyone's had or the devil's had against your life because of the things you've done wrong, I want you to know before God, he says the slate is clean. Amen? That's the good news of Jesus. And so we welcome you into the family of God, and we're glad that you're part of that. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. This has been a good morning, friends. Amen. Just a a couple more announcements. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message blessed and encouraged you. If you would like more information on Parkway Church, you can go to our visit tab on our website. Or if you like what you hear, we would love to have you come join us on a Sunday morning right here in Corona.